suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. This is the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast, episode 198. A special welcome to all of the drugs, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, <laughs> fornicators, thieves, <laughs> atheists and idolaters who might have stumbled across our little podcast here. I'm Trevor the Iron Fist. With me as always is Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day Trevor, g'day Paul, how are your listeners? And also Paul the Twelfth Man. Greetings Earthlings. And we've got another Paul with us this evening. We've got Paul from Sanford. Welcome aboard Paul from Sanford. Thank you very much. So, So Paul from Sanford's with us because Paul is... Well, the instigator, the leader, the president? Administrator. Administrator of the Sanford Atheists. That's correct. Amongst a number of other things that he was telling about, telling me about before we started recording. And Paul's got a really interesting story about Anzac Day. So, dear listener, if you're tuning in to this podcast for the first time, we talk about news and politics. We love talking about religion. And <laughs> it just so happens at this point in history, it's all intermingled and intermixed and... This week is no exception in terms of topics. We've got an Anzac Day religion story for you. We've got Israel Falau to talk about um, and, and what he's been up to and whether that's freedom of religion and freedom of speech. We've got... Uh, the Law Reform the, Council Commission. We do. And we've also, not so much about religion, but uh, I thought Julian Assange, the story there was quite interesting. And so there's a bunch of things that we're going to get to as we go through. So... Stick with us and see how it goes. Maybe for a new listener, we're a little bit of an acquired taste. Just <laughs> hang in there and see how you go. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, I'd never heard. I live at the Gap, which is only about a twenty-minute drive from Sanford, and I had never heard of the Sanford Atheist Group. So, Paul, what 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 caused you to start the group in the first place? Well, about four years ago, I. Uh, became the administrator of the Sanford Community Notice Board, which is and was then only about 5,000 members. Now we've got 12,000 members of um, people that live in and around Sanford. Mm. And I'm a pretty much radical atheist. I have very strong views on the matter. Um, And um, I was... uh, 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 concerned about um, the lack of um, voice of, of the atheists and the lack of place for atheists to um, uh, to congregate, and I had been a member of a, a group in Brisbane, a meetup group of atheists, uh, and I kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. So I um, um, put out a call in my uh, uh, community notice board. If anybody wants to join a group of of atheists come along and well we've now got 150 members 
and um, this recent debacle has increased our membership some <laughs> as well. Yeah, well, I signed up as a result. So. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So let, we better tell the story then. So, dear listener, Anzac Day is coming up, 25th of April. And for me, Anzac Day is always an issue because I like to go and sell, you know, well, to reflect. I was going to say celebrate, but to reflect and think about what, what happened. Commemorate. Good word. Mm. Thanks, Paul. And... I just get riled up every time with the amount of religion that has crept into the ceremony. So, Paul, you decided for the first time that you, as a group, correct, were yep. going to lay a wreath at yep. the ceremony. Now, I moved here to Sanford um, seven years ago. and Before that, we lived in Clayfield. And we had a little ceremony at the end of our street at, at some gates of uh, uh, memorial gates. And there was absolutely no religion. None at all. There wasn't a priest. There wasn't a prayer. There, wa- there wasn't a hymn. There was nothing. And then I come to Sanford, and of course, yeah, I go but- to the Sanford ceremony and find out it's a service. Mm-hmm. It's not a ceremony at all. It's a religious service and a particularly re- Christian religious service. There are there is a priest acting almost as MC. Mm-hmm. He delivers a sermon, several prayers. There's even a hymn. Only one at yours? Well. You're doing well if there's only one. I I, I may have blocked the other hymns (laughs) out. But I found myself um, looking around the crowd and uh, seeing all the other heads that weren't bowed and thinking, what's there for them? And, Mm. And are those people that have their heads bowed, are they doing it out of... Uh, you know, convention or trying not to rock the boat. And then I took a look at the um, uh, statistics for um, uh, servicemen. Um, the, the services run a survey of the of people that um, are uh, religious. Uh, have you got it in front? I do. Yeah. So there's a defence census from 2015 that you put a link on on the Facebook page. And do you want me to quote the statistics? So um, this is across Navy, Army and Air Force. It's the individual statistics for those groups are listed, but I'll just talk about the totals because there's not a lot of difference between them. They're very similar across Navy, Mm. Army and Air Force. So in terms of no religion or religious affiliation, uh, the Defence Force own survey for Australians lists that at 52.7%. Really? No religion or religious affiliation. Up from 30-something percent from the last survey. So when we're talking about Australia generally, from the 2016 census, it's 30%, 30.1%. But for the Defence Force, it's 527 and that's not the most recent survey. The, the most recent survey was only a few months ago, and right. uh, we're, we will get uh, new figures shortly. Mm. And I can't imagine those numbers are going down. No, no they so, won't have gone down. There you go. I wouldn't have – well, I didn't know what to expect there, but um, I guess my mind's contaminated by that old adage, there's no atheists in the foxholes, and, of course, oh, there's oh, plenty of atheists in oh, the foxholes no. who are who – oh. Who are railing against the I, stupid generals who put no, them there no, in no. the first place? I, I, I must tell you the my atheist and Fox Hell story. Yeah, I was uh, uh, at the uh, Global Atheist Convention. When was that? Uh, Two thousand and. 
12, 13. Whereabouts? In Melbourne. Okay, right. And I was coming home feeling buzzed. It was it was the most amazing time, I think, uh, I, being among 3,000 atheists, listening to all of the f- uh, famous atheists in the world except Hitchens. Um, he was too ill. Uh, and... Um, uh, it was just the most wonderful experience. Uh, but I, so I, I was full of ammunition, full full of uh, fervor and verve. Nobody was going to touch me, and and I was walking to my airport. I had three hours to spare, and there comes a Bible basher, <laughs> and he wants to convert me. He he's he's there because of of the convention, oh, and right. he wants and he wants to um, uh, to convert somebody on the way back. I said, "Go for your life," <laughs> <laughs> and so he tries, and I and and, and I. Of course, we know the Bible better than they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, and that it, he couldn't touch me at all. And, and eventually he, he said something, uh, he said those exact words, there are no atheists in foxholes. Mm. Well, I gave him a look and I swear he, he thinks I wasn't going to, but he thinks I was going to hit him mm. because I said, look, you, you've just offended my grandfather, mm. my father, my uncles and my aunts, all of these people served and risked their lives. Uh, I come from a military family. A couple of greats ago, my my grandfather was one of the thin red line at Sevastopol. My my aunts built Spitfires. My grandfather... uh, Drove an ambulance from um, the D-Day beaches to um, uh, to Germany to Belsen concentration camp, and I I and I, I rule atheists and uh, well I've no idea, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't going to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> and he he went white. He actually thought I was going to hit him. Of course, I wasn't going to hit him. I, but uh, I don't think he'll ever say the atheists in the foxholes there, there, line again. There there is an actual organisation called Atheists in the Foxholes for yeah. you know military people who are atheists. Yeah. yeah. So of course well, there is. I've and, been in a foxhole. Yeah, yeah. I've slept in a hole that I've dug it, dug right. myself, and yeah. I'm a, an atheist, yeah. and I'm. Not sticking to it. Okay, so we've digressed there. Let's, okay. let's sorry. Let's. Oh no, we we love digressions on this podcast, Paul. So <laughs> oh, oh, it, I can quickly see that Julian uh, Assange is going to be pushed off the uh, <laughs> off the itinerary at the rate we're going here. But um, so you, uh, through frustration, formed your atheist group. You've attended the ceremony on Anzac Day. You've looked at it and thought, "Holy smokes, this is a highly religious uh, ceremony that you're not used to," and. This year, for the, pushback. this year for the first time, first you, time you decided that as a group you would collect some money, buy a wreath and lay it uh, during the ceremony because well, during no, uh, no. It, it, it was it was a bit more drawn out than that. First right. I, I floated the idea because like I'm the administrator, I'm not really the leader, but I'm the administrator, so I don't tell them what to do. So and particularly <laughs> since I was asking for their money. Mm. Uh, and so I said, okay. What about if we put a wreath out? Is there, is there anybody here um, think that's a good idea? And several people came up. Yes, that they thought that was a good idea. And then I so then I said, okay, this is my email address. Um, let's do some PayPaling. And suddenly I was getting very close. Uh, uh, 
to what we needed to do to buy a wreath. And so I was probably about $20 short of the $120. They're, they're expensive things, those no, wreaths. That does sound like a lot for that's a wreath. A, that's a medium-sized one. Right, uh, yeah. And because we actually wanted Samford Atheist written over the top, we didn't want to just a, a generic list we forget. Right. We wanted them to know that it was us. Yes. I mean, not for any political reason, but just to say, look, you're not including us. Yep. Yes. And anyway. So because, dear listener, if you haven't been to an Anzac Day ceremony, they invite different groups to come up and lay a wreath and they announce them normally where they, they say – you know, the girl guides of, of the Gap or yeah. the scout group or you know, school, all, sorts of, all sorts of different, uh, RSL, you know, obviously RSL groups, but uh, not necessarily military groups by any means, no. just community groups. Horse um, riders. Yes, are called up and representatives lay a wreath. So that would your expectation was that, that the name uh, Sanford Atheists would be called and you would walk up with your wreath and lay it. Indeed. Yeah. So the first thing I did was to – I expected a little pushback. I expected maybe a raised eyebrow or two, but I didn't expect rejection. First thing I did, I called the president's office and uh, he wasn't in. He called me back um, a few hours later and I said, I, here I am. We've raised, we're raising this money. Looks like we're going to get it. Uh, we want to lay a wreath, and he was all positive. He was almost grateful. Mm-hmm. He 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 was very pleased that one other community organisation could was um, uh, going to be uh, just interested enough to do just it. interested yeah. enough to do it. That's mm-hmm. that's correct. And anyway, he uh, we left, and I was thinking, well, that's a done deal. I mean, the guys agreed. He's the president. What else have I got to do? And so I, um, he said, he said at the end of the conversation, would I send him a text, uh, saying, giving the name of the person that's going to lay the wreath and the name of the organization? And I did that. Um, I reported back to my group, got some more money. Then I called the florist organised the wreath and organised the special printing. Apparently one has to go to Melbourne if you want a wreath printed. What? What? Yep. Really? You, 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 the the what? ribbon bit needs to be specially printed oh, and they do that in Melbourne. This is surely a local supplier who <laughs> can do thoughts? that. That's Goodness. what I thought. But anyway, we, we decided on a, on a, a real Anzac-themed uh, <laughs> wreath. We went for um, Australian flowers with a fern sprayed silver <laughs> for, for the New Zealanders. So it's a, a completely inclusive Anzac wreath. Yep. And then Sanford Atheist written right mm. across the top, boldly and proudly. Mm. So two days later, I... I realised I hadn't had a reply from the president uh, and from my text, and I thought maybe he didn't get it. So I said, I sent him a text and said, "Did you get my text?" And he said, "What text?" And I felt like saying, "Well, scroll up." Hmm. And so then I just cut and paste and pasted the uh, uh, the thing and it had in big bold letters and, and capital letters Sanford Atheists and my name and uh, he, he said, uh, got back to me and he said oh, my uh, 
secretary is composing a reply to you. Uh, could you give me your email address? Mm. And I thought, what's? why would you need to compose a reply? Mm. What's the problem here? And then I'm thinking, I've just raised all this money. I've just spent all this money of these people. Mm. What's uh, what? Alarm bells are ringing. Yeah, and I, I, I'm thinking, goodness, I, I've let my my uh, members down because I, I, I thought I, I've just spent their money and I can do nothing with it. I was thinking, am I going to have to ring up other uh, RSLs to say, do you accept atheists? Mm. Do you uh, want me? I've got it here. Do you want me to read the email? Please do. Okay. So this was the email sent to you from the organiser of the Anzac Day ceremony saying, thanks for your interest in laying a wreath on Anzac Day at the memorial service. As our service is a religious service and prayers are formally officiated by a priest, it would be at odds with the ethos of our service for us to promote a group that actively shuns this religious basis. So while the group's name would not be announced, you could lay a wreath at the end of the wreath-laying ceremony when the public is invited to. Any promotion of your group's name at the service will not be allowed. Thanks again for your interest in commemorating our Anzacs. <laughs> um, at I, that point, I, I read that and and instantly w- poured myself a very large scotch. <laughs> tried hard to sit down but couldn't. I paced around. I was livid. I, I was I, I was furious, and I thought. Do not reply now. Don't reply now. That mm. would be a bad move. Mm. You will say things that you will regret, you will regret yeah, yeah, yeah. and perhaps won't be constructive. So I waited till the next day. I didn't even tell my members about this email till the next day. And then I, I composed the email that, that uh, I sent back to him which outline the steps that uh, I've uh, 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 told you today. Mm. So you, you um, I know you like a long story, Paul, and I'm going to try and speed you up a bit. So, Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> so I know um, you then got onto Facebook uh, and that sort of post about what had happened to you sort of spread like wildfire amongst the sort of atheist community where it was it shared. Did. Like people like me who hadn't heard of you before suddenly found it popping up on my Facebook feed and and um, so that, that I went... I sent it to you. I don't know, yeah. but it, it sort of went viral amongst us because yeah. you, you were not alone in feeling the just outrage at that. And um, so long story short... After uh, some negotiating, or no, not no, negotiating, I just, uh, I just got an email back. Um, I, I, I gave them a deadline, and I said, "Look, um, uh, Tuesday, uh, Saturday, five o'clock. Hmm. Uh, uh, if you uh, don't respond to this by then, I'll be um, seeing what interest I can get in the national media." <laughs> yep. Yep. And at five ten, I started sending out the press releases. Yep. <laughs> Sunday morning, I got a I got an email from him saying it's all good now. You can um, uh, lay a wreath. We'll announce your name, and um, uh, can I, can I buy you a coffee and apologise yeah. in person? That's nice, at least. So. Well, yeah, but yeah. Well, uh, I mean, can, people. Can, mu- 
People make mistakes. Yeah, I'm just wondering, what what are your thoughts on why he did a big turnaround like that? uh, If I was to make, that would be pure conjecture. Yeah, maybe we should be careful about that. But but I mean. But on on one hand, he (laughs) was very, very positive. And then when others got to hear about it, that story changed. So I take it you haven't had the coffee with him yet? Thursday at 0900 hours. Oh. <laughs> Don't you wish you could be a fly on the wall? Well, come along. Yeah. <laughs> Spokes Cafe. <laughs> Good on you, Paul. See, I um, – so moving on from your story a little bit, I, I for years have been incredibly frustrated by these ceremonies and part of me has thought, you know, should, do we need our own separate ceremony to get away from this religious bit? But the other part of me is, well, no, because I don't want to be separate from my community. I should be able to enjoy a community um, event. I shouldn't be – we shouldn't need to segregate into another divided group. Um, all it needs is some respect from the people running the rock show that there are people involved who – lots of people – on average, 30% uh, who have no religious affiliation. And I was at the Gap Shops just uh, four days ago walking through and you'd see lots of sort of RSL groups at the moment in local shopping centres selling bits and pieces. And I spotted the organiser of the Gap event and said to him, "Um, look, I've got one request again um, because I had mentioned it to him a few years ago. I said, there's a lot of religion in this ceremony. Can you please... For, for people like me who don't believe in a God, when you've got a priest there who's saying, let us pray, dear Lord, blah, 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 I said, for me, I have to zone out. That's totally meaningless to me. Can't you use a form of wordings which might be, uh, let us pray or reflect and then say something that's more generic rather than a pleading to God? And he said to me, oh, well, it's a, it's a generic ceremony. There's not, not much we can do about it. I said, no, that's not the case. The, the ceremony is actually doesn't have to be religious, and he then got out his notebook and said, "Oh well, I'll talk to the committee or whatever about it." So, uh, so I won't be joining you at your Sanford ceremony this year. I'll be I'll be at the Gap one and checking what's going on there. But it's um, more than that. Mm. It's more than that. It's mm. entirely Christian, mm. and yes. I refuse to believe that every religious person that's died on behalf of Australia. Is, uh, is is a Christian, mm. Mm. it just cannot be true. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, at the time, 1914, there would have been a few Jews amongst the, amongst the casualties, one would have thought. I'm mm. writing the biography of a Jewish guy now who was a tank commander in, in World War II. Mm. D- dear listener, I've got my hands right now. This is the Anzac Day ceremony outline from the Australian Government Department of Veteran Affairs, and it's sort of a suggested outline, which is... Introduction, catafalque party mounts, commemorative address, hymn, prayer reading or poem, wreath laying the ode, the last post, one minute silence, the the rouse, rouse, ruse, R-O-U-S-E, the rouse. Shouldn't that be the rebelite? Hmm, not sure. The national anthem and catafalque party dismounts. So that allows for one hymn and maybe a prayer, but alternatively a reading or a poem. That's the recommended Anzac Day ceremony outline from the government, which has a component of, of Christianity in it. 
But, dear listener, here's my challenge to you. A component of religion, not Christianity. Indeed. Here's my challenge to you, dear listener. I've got in my hands here the uh, Anzac... Dear listener, this is the sad story of my life. Like, I collect Anzac Day (laughs) ceremony pamphlets so that I can rail about it afterwards. And, And my challenge to you is see if you can find a more religious ceremony than the Anzac Day service at Gaythorne Community on 25th of April 2015, which... Um, featured a call to worship by Father Jack Phillips, a Bible reading by Alex Murden, a prayer for peace by Alexandria Hassel, a supplication by Father Jack Phillips, uh, Amazing Grace, the Lord's Prayer, uh, another hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, and it finished towards the end with the blessing by Father Jack Phillips. There's your challenge, dear listener, this Anzac Day. Can you beat that or just keep a copy of your ceremony, um, scan it or photograph it and send it through to us because it's, it's one of my little hobby horses. <laughs> it's a I, I frightening don't think document. I can beat that. It's, it goes close. But yeah, it's, it a fright, it's a frightening amount of Christianity. I'm just worried now, Trevor, that somebody might take the challenge and try to create an Anzac ceremony <laughs> with more religion. They <laughs> <laughs> might. I go down to the Greenslopes Private Hospital because it's the closest one to me, and it's very religious. You know, yeah. it's it's like you're going to church, mm. you know, and one of the things I was going to say until I read that it had been sorted, I was going to write to them and say, look, you know, I gave up going to church a long time ago and I object to having church intrude on what should be a secular event, you know. Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. you can still write. I mean, they, the, the resolution hasn't been published. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends phoned me just before I came to say um, that, that she'd got a response from um, the uh, RSL after she complained. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's having an effect. Now, dear listener, if you're part of a group, and I know our, uh, one of our listeners is a member of a satanic group, and I think it oh, would really? be just fantastic if a local satanic group <laughs> I did. Uh, decided to lodge Look, a wreath at the laying ceremony and that would just be brilliant. Where is the flying spaghetti monster? Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, and the flying spaghetti monster, <laughs> indeed. But please, Satanists out there, just... Please do it, do it and yes. tell us what you, happens. You, you Don't wait do till it. next year. Yeah, Just do, do it, it now. Yeah. <laughs> While the iron is hot, there is a there's no, look, just a, a some, we'll we'll create an award for the first you know for for a group like that who can it'll be the iron to velvet glove I, gold award or something. I, so. I do want to. I mean, maybe I'm the velvet glove, but uh, I do want to say, look, <laughs> this is an Anzac Day ceremony, and it's very important to Australian culture, and. We wouldn't want to encourage anybody to disrupt any ceremony that they're having now, mm. and because these these moments, these these points of of togetherness, are important not just because of the name, they're because of they they go to the core of who we are. Indeed. So That's don't a create point. a scene in the ceremony itself. But I think in the lead-up to it, you in can certainly agitate it. with the officials and say we have every right, just like any other organisation, to be represented. And, and watch the and, somersaults. And then, but during the actual ceremony, um, good point, to be respectful of everybody else. And, um, yeah, so 
Well, there's a challenge to you, dear listener, and I hope to hear some stories about that. So anyway, that's Anzac Day, I reckon, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other topics as well. <laughs> and uh, The major one, well, the first one to kick off with is Israel Folau. So... He's, he's an amazing athlete. Mm, he, he's an incredible look, athlete. Look, yeah. Okay, he is an amazing football, but hey, he's not a halfback or a five-eighth. Like, he's an outside back or but winger or fullback. But he's the highest scorer. Would it, would it matter highest if he scoring was? wallaby, isn't he? Like, traditionally, I, in my humble opinion, like, you're, a really good halfback or five-eighth is better than a really good winger. Perhaps, but every day get, of the week. But, but because of their, the position they play, do they get to say what they want? Yeah. Well, we'll get onto that. So it sounds like you're going to be on my side on this one, Paul. Because <laughs> it sounds like the other two guys are going to be against me. So anyway, what did Israel for people listening to this uh, episode in a year's time and thinking, what the hell are they talking what about? So, so what exactly did he say? And he shared a meme on social media site Instagram, and it said, "Warning." Drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, adulterers, adulators, hell awaits you. Repent. Only Jesus saves. Mm. So that was the meme. And to this he added his own personal comment. Those that are living in sin will end up in hell unless you repent. Mm. Jesus Christ loves you and is giving you time to turn away from your sin and come to him. So it seems that the ARU has said that he's in breach of his employment contract with the Code of Conduct and basically have given him a notice saying, unless you've got some reason we're not aware of, we're going to strike you off and sack you as a, as a ARU footballer. And we don't know yet whether he's going to argue against that. And the question is, is Rugby Australia entitled to tell Israel Folau on your bike because of those comments. So, Paul, Scott, sounds like you've got an opinion. (laughs) That would depend on what he had actually signed up to. If he'd signed up to a code of conduct that said, I will not post on social media about any controversial topics, or they might have had to be very specific and said you cannot post on social media about conservative religious views, then they've got a, then they've got an opportunity to cat, to sack him if they wish. However, my humble opinion is that social media is something that is private and out of your work. So, 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 a Twitter account is private. I apologise for saying it is private. It is part of your private life that is away from your work. So, therefore, he should be able to post whatever the hell he wants. Now, myself and the better half, we don't believe in hell. He has condemned us to hell Mm. because we're gay. Because we don't believe in hell, there's no problem with that. You know, you can condemn me to hell all you want. I don't care. Yeah, but what if you were religious and gay? You might be quite... If I was Certain religious moment. and gay, then I'd obviously I would have already <laughs> I would have already developed my own self defence mechanism and all that sort of stuff for how you deal with the Bible bashes and that sort of stuff in the community. Right. So you already you've already got that. You would have come across people like Israel Folau. You would have worked out that they're idiots. Okay. What if the contract no. says? Hang on, Paul. What if the contract says? Because you said it depends what the contract says. What if okay. it says something like, "You shall not do anything uh, which brings the game into disrepute." Or um, 
blackens the good name of rugby or affects the reputation of the team. So you'll conduct, you'll conduct yourself in such a fashion that you will not bring the attention to the game and bring it into disrepute. So if it's sort of that general sort of wording, do you think Rugby Australia can sack him? I think so, yes, if that's the sort of wording that he has signed up right. to. Can you just turn the microphone slightly more towards you? Yeah. yeah. So. I, I think that had he have actually signed up to that, then yes, they could sack him. Okay. Twelfth man. My view is that contracts shouldn't include aspects of one's personal life. I mean, even if he is a role model and he's playing for Australia, I mean, what he does on his social media, for goodness sake, should be his business. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think uh, people should be penalised in their working lives for what they do outside of their working hours. But, you know, I take your point, he is a role model. But, you know, when people say, well, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to be causing young, impressionable, uh, homosexual boys and maybe girls as well to perhaps entertain the th- thoughts of suicide... My response is, well, why aren't we teaching these young people that religion is a bunch of hocus-pocus bullshit anyway and equip them with the analytical skills that they need for just life in general anyway and stop trying to, you know, you know pack everyone in, in bubble wrap for their whole lives and just teach them how to think through these things instead of pre- pretending that everybody needs to be protected from these sorts of ridiculous nonsense, you know, words. They're only words. They're not bullets, you know. They don't, you can't shoot people by calling them something, you know. And he didn't, you know, what was the basis of, of him being sacked? They said he was homophobic, that he's... Well, tweet- he's critical of homosexuals. Yeah, and that was the whole he's thing. He's not being inclusive. Well, is, is the what? point is he criticised a whole bunch of people and, and we're included on probably several <laughs> levels, aren't we? Well, we're yeah. all sitting here with beers in front of us. <laughs> yes. So yes. Presumably yeah. that makes now, us drunk. He, right. he is not, a, you know, in my humble opinion, and excuse me, Israel, but you're mm. not a very well-educated person if you're espousing such views. Now, I think Israel needs an education. I don't think it'll help him because he's obviously deeply invested in this kind of religious mindset. And I think his family is too. I think... uh, They're assemblies of God. He used to be Mormon and now he's assemblies of God. And, you know, they're, they're similarly, you know, deeply embedded in, you know... Uh, religious mumbo-jumbo, aren't they? Mm. But seriously, you know, this idea that his list of sinners and offenders well, is somehow going to cause a spike in in teen suicides, I just don't buy it. And and I think, frankly, it's a... It's a um, what, if it, what if ignoring the uh, damage to the mindset of a homosexual youth, what if it's just damaging to the code in the sense that Less people are going to turn up to rugby and watch because they just don't want to watch that dickhead no, on the field. I, I disagree. I, I, don't, think well, if, I don't think that's going to happen. If, okay, either. you don't think so. He's but an if, amazing athlete if, and if, that's what people go to okay, see. If it could be said that there will be 5,000 less people at the next game because people go on strike because they don't want to watch that guy, if assuming that fact is correct, right, let's just say, right. let's make that assumption. Could Rugby Australia... Sack him because of that fact alone. How that much do they pay him? About a million bucks a some, year. Yeah, something like okay. that. Okay, five thousand times. What's the ticket price to attend a match? Well, like? one hundred and fifty dollars sometimes. So, 
All right, deduct it from his pay, you know. <laughs> well, but but so that would make no difference to you? Not really. So the fact that he's damaging gate takings makes no difference to you? Well, how do you measure it? I said assume that it can be measured. Yeah. But if the fact that somebody is damaging gate takings, is that a reason? Look, I, I think um, some people might go and see him who otherwise wouldn't have gone just because of his notoriety. I know. And that but, might but balance just it out. bear with me here. If it, if it could You're be You're taking shown, a one-sided view of no, this. No, trip. but it, um, it's You're a hypothetical. It's unnecessarily a, negative about Israel's no, contribution to no, the game. No, I'm, I'm just proposing a thought experiment. If it could be shown that he has damaged gate-takings mm. to a somewhat degree, would yeah. that be a reason for an employer to say... We don't want to hire you anymore because you're costing us money. Is that – can an employer, the other side of the contract, say, I don't – you know, I hire you to do a job. Part of your job is to be an exciting rugby player. And he does it every time. And part of your job is to smooch with the sponsors and to be a role model whether you like it or not. And you are actually now breaching – our contract and you're costing us money, we'd rather bring Joe Bloggs up from B grade and have him there instead of you. Is an employer able to say, well, I've just had enough of your shit and you're costing me money, my business is suffering because of you, I'm firing you? Is that Can an employer say that about if an employee? If you can demonstrate that, if you can prove that he is actually costing them money, Yes, I think you can. But right. do you I think, think you can that's actually say that's okay? Are they actually doing it on that basis? Well, well, no, they're, well, they're, they're, doing, they're doing it because well, they've, they've got this, well, this inclusiveness the, code but, and that sort of stuff. part of the income is Qantas, and Qantas has said pretty much not outright, but we're watching and we've got a valuable sponsorship here. There's not, you know, sponsors don't drop down off the trees every day and if Qantas pulled out directly because of Falau... Mm. Would that be a reason for Rugby Australia to say, you just cost us a $10 million sponsorship on your bike? I can with, see the business And that case. could be directly related to Falau. Like, I can see the business could, case, but I think they're taking a moral stance but on No, this. okay. But as a business case, as an employer, as a business case, allowed to say, you've cost me money, you're not worth what you were supposed to be worth, you're no longer of value, therefore I'm terminating the contract because you've breached an essential part of it. I can see the logic in it. Yeah. Well, I just be, don't agree with okay. them doing that's it. That's Paul from Sanford. That's a very legalistic uh, approach. <laughs> and be, being a lawyer, that's what he's, I'd expect. He's yeah. always like that. Yeah, yes. I am all the time. Yeah. Well, but I need that's to I, However, I, I'm I, a human. Agree, I, I tend to agree with you. If the guy is actually costing them money and if they did actually look like losing Qantas unless they sacked him, then they've got every right to sack him. You know? Paul from Sanford, what's your view? And as, as you know, his lawyers are now poring over that contract yeah. and mm. to determine mm. exactly those things that, that, that you're, deci- you're, you're, you're referring mm. to. Mm. My concern is something else. Mm-hmm. You're a strong gay man with uh, with a uh, uh, a confident outlook and, and a, 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 a positive view of the world. This man may be a, a, a role model for you, but he's probably not. No, he's not. Yeah. But he is a pro- role model for lots of 13-year-old kids, lots of kids discovering who they are, discovering their sexuality, 
and afraid and terrified. Afraid of what? Afraid of what the, the rest of, of the world. But no, the no, rest of the world. What, what people think. think of them. Oh, the thirteen-year-old homosexual afraid of coming out. Yeah, and that yeah. is that is very true because I have so, been a thirteen-year-old homosexual that was afraid of coming out. And and, and 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 so here we have a person who is is set up, but paid um, what is it a million dollars, and and. Have his posters everywhere. He's on the news all the time, and he, he he's a hero to these people. And he's saying, "I'm scum." Hmm. Hmm. Look, I'm sorry to disagree again, but my my answer is is still the same. Our schools should be teaching kids that not only do they not need religion, but that religion is hocus pocus. But and, they don't. And and this is my point. They're, they're going about it completely the wrong way. They should be teaching kids to to value themselves, you know, to to be not proud. I, I don't like this word proud, but to be confident in themselves, you know, as the people they are, and 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 teaching them how to deal with this sort of uh, potentially um, harmful material rather than trying to shield them from everything because you cannot shield young people or even any people from everything their whole lives. The sooner or later they're going to come across some I'm, I'm so-called- not proposing that we shield them. I'm saying that this man doesn't represent uh, uh, the standards that, that, that this sport uh, uh, espouses. Well, again, what does the sport stand for? Does it stand for puritanism? I thought it was about playing a game with a, an egg-shaped ball. Oh, it's more—it's far more complicated than that. Of course, it is. And, yep. You know, I, as a people business, want to be this man. Mm. Well, yes, but I mean, you know, it's a complicated world, and to teach children that you know uh, they have to listen to these sporting heroes and everything they say. Obviously, kids are smarter than that on the whole, aren't they? No, they—they they, they get their their health advice from bloody movie stars. This is this is the world world we live in. Yeah. They, That's we, a good point. These these people actually are listened to, and that's the thing that we 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 need to yeah. consider. See, see, part of this, the point I want to make with this is uh, on Facebook and that I've seen lots of articles or uh, on Hugh Harris's Facebook page, for example, he referred to Christopher Hitchens, and you know. Um, Talking about things like shouting fire in the cinema. And, and that's and, and not an example of free speech, as I've pointed out before. No, that's no. an example of public mischief. No, but I'm, I'm leading up to something here where a lot of the advocates of free speech are confusing the fact that uh, we're not talking about that Israel cannot say these things. He can say them and he will not be subject to any criminal offence. Like, go ahead and say it go as hard as you like. You can say this. You have freedom of speech. His issue is that he wants a particular employment contract to continue. Mm-hmm. So th- that's a big distinction. So when people talk about freedom, this is a, a, a restriction on freedom of speech, you've got to remember that that's society right. is not penalising Israel Folau for these comments. It is an employer who is saying, hold on a minute, you're breaching an employment contract that's causing us a problem. Okay. And a contract is a two-way street. 
totally that's take I that said, point. That's, that's why I mm. said earlier. It depends on what's in his contract. Yeah. Mm. If but he look, has signed up to it, then he's mm. got him. He's got, him, got himself to blame if he does get sacked. But well, look, this, as you know, there's, there is no free speech in Australia. There's, we have no Bill of Rights. We have no the the, the High Court has <laughs> don't get turned, me started on the Bill of Rights. <laughs> the High Court has turned itself inside out to allow us political free speech. Yes. But that that's a very long bow to draw, and I don't but think you get another High Court. Look, to where do does it, it end? Good this point. is what I want to know. Where does it end? Okay, uh, Rugby Australia. It, it, in, I'll, I'll let, you let, let me just yeah. finish. You know, where does it end? Do do we end up in a world where everybody, before they start working for anybody, have to sign a contract promising not to say any nasty bits and pieces in their private lives? No, because you know, people like us it's will only, never get a job. It's only special jobs. So, do you think, Trevor? Because my, I strongly suspect this is a, a growing phenomenon. It, I strongly suspect it, no, it's only, people are going to be sacked all over the place for it, saying th- anything it, their employer disagrees. No, with. it's it's only because of his particular job that requires a clean skin, uh, acceptable um, reputation to the community. Ninety nine percent of jobs do not. So. They will um, in the future. I'll give you an example. Going. Like you could be a militant vegan with an active Twitter profile where you're just abusing farmers as being terrible people who, who are cruel to animals. Mm-hmm. And you can go and work for a meat processing factory as a butcher, an accountant, a security guard or a cleaner, right? But you can't expect to work for them as the head of PR or as customer liaison officer. Like it depends on the nature of your job. And, and 99% of jobs, they don't care what your reputation is. Mm. And the other thing about this is what if people get so hung up about speech and free speech, what if it was conduct? Let's say he was a compulsive drink driver who just continually, as, as soon as he... Um, uh, you know, goes to court and just jumps in the car and again drives, gets caught and, and is, what if he was a compulsive drink driver and the ARU said, you're just a terrible person, we're sacking you. Would that be okay? Because it seems to me that people treat speech as some sort of almost sacred right that is immune from um, discipline, whereas conduct... Uh, like drink driving. Oh well, of course. Or AI, you could, violence. I, I, you, yes. What if he was a wife beater and was dealt with through the courts? Um, you'd say, well, that's totally irrelevant to his uh, capacity to throw and kick a football. But it, the ARU would be within their rights to say, you're a terrible person. Who's a, we can't have you in our game because you're a blight on it, and that's because of an action. But when it comes to speech the sort of libertarian world rises up and says not, speech is a sacred thing that we must protect at it all is. costs. It absolutely is. In a secular liberal democracy, free speech is absolutely sacrosanct. And I'm sorry, but it's, it's not in the same all, class as drink driving or wife beating. See, you've, got a, you've, you've, you've elevated speech to a sort of a sacred level. I have, and that, I will. It, that, that it's almost religious. It's not religious <laughs> at all. It doesn't, I mean, see, now, he's I, sounding like the religious not, people who yeah. say atheism is just another religion. Of course it isn't, as no, we know. And free speech is, is not a religious I, right. It's I, just a fundamental plank of liberal democracy. And I, I'm sorry, but I, he's not a wife beater. He's not a drink driver. He just but, has some kooky but, views. But you accept which he that those things would be enough to fire him? Yes. 
So conduct, possibly moral conduct, can be sufficient to sack. Yeah, but he just wrote a kooky list of so-called sinners, and we all know that sin is just a made-up thing. Why are people getting so hot under the collar that Israel Folau just really doesn't know that there's no sky fairy up there watching him? For know? the precise reasons, as I've already explained. I'm because, sorry, I don't buy it. Because mm-hmm. because we're not mm-hmm. talking to, to strong, independent no, people. No, Paul, from Sanford, Paul see, from Sanford sees real damage that you think can be overcome through education. Absolutely. And I'm old enough to remember the Springboks tour. When, well, so am I. Well, <laughs> we're all old. Well, I'm the youngest one. No, you're, you're the youngest yeah, one. Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. I, anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm 65 this year. and, yeah. and anyway, uh, You're a baby ni- boomer. You're in trouble with us. But no, anyway, yeah. <laughs> 1972. Yes, I'm privileged, very privileged. Uh, 1972, the, uh, the Springboks uh, were going to do a, a tour of Australia. Yes. And uh, I was there protesting against it. And... Uh, don't tell my parents. <laughs> that, that. Don't know where they live. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the whole argument there was politics shouldn't be involved in sports. Where we shouldn't, uh, we we should still play with with, with the people that that uh, are selected on race racial basis because politics shouldn't be involved in sports. And I see this as an exactly parallel issue. Right, I don't. I'm well, sorry. I what? can understand why they had the why they had the sporting uh, boycott of South Africa because apparently that really bit into the South Africans. All the other boycotts and everything else, they had managed to render their economy. Their economy went from being an importing economy to a self sufficient economy. So they managed to avoid the nasty economic downsides of it all. But apparently, what really bit was the sport. And when their cricket team could no longer travel, when the Springboks could no longer travel, that's what really bit into them. Mm. So that was a clever move on behalf of the governments yeah, that but, did decide. But that was a fight them. against institutionalised racism in a country. And you don't think uh, homosexuality? Israel Folau. No, it's not only about homosexuality, and that's my point. That homosexuality was just one of a long list of so-called sins that Israel Folau believes will get you sent to hell. Now, it's a complete nonsense. Of course and, it's and nonsense. My response to Israel Folau would be to laugh at it, but, you know, but, rather but, than get all upset and, oh, I'm offended, I'm offended. How could he say that about my minority group? Laugh at the guy. Say, Israel, I'm sorry, but you, you're... The, the, the reason why... You're a bit the un- homos- uninformed. The reason why the homosexual comment is highlighted, as opposed to the thieves and fornicators, and it isn't and all the rest. Well, by the no, highlighted by the discussion by Rugby Australia. Yeah, <laughs> is because uh, young thirteen and fourteen year old boys are a particularly vulnerable group for whom this is a more dangerous. You cannot comment. wrap these kids in cotton wool. But, their but whole that's lives. the you, you are. I'm just making the point. That's why. Okay. This is good. You're seeing four people coming at a topic <laughs> with good intentions <laughs> and no agenda, really. Like, we've got no skin in the game in this, but we can have completely opposite sides. And boy, no I'm, weapons. Oh, and boy, I'm glad I brought you along tonight, Paul from <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been two against one, I think. So, now, just uh, it's with Israel. He holds and, his own, don't we? And, and the thieves. Bit. So he was, of course, quoting from. Uh, 
you know, is it First Corinthians, One Corinthians? Maybe, well, anyway, not familiar with that um, particular yeah. Corinthian. Chapter six, verse nine. Um, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It goes on, and then in uh, clause ten says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So. Uh, thieves are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But is that true, 12th man? It's a bleeding obvious, isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's all we're coming up nonsense. To the, we're coming up to Good Friday. Yeah. Jesus, nailed yeah. to the cross. Oh, yeah. What was on either side? I have of, a joke. Was, who was on either side of him? There huh? was a thief on Two one thieves. side and there was somebody else on the Two other side. Two thieves. Two thieves, were they? Yeah. And one of them was a good thief and one was a bad thief. But have you read... Oh, um, and one of the thieves was going to join Christ in Barabbas. heaven. Uh, I don't think Barabbas was nailed. Yeah, Barabbas was the, he wasn't, Barabbas was the guy the that, guy was that let, left. got, let, got yeah. let loose because yeah. The, yeah. the crowd but, demanded but he be released. Yeah, yeah, but there's two thieves either side of him, and one of them was a good thief, and Jesus declared that he was going to end up in heaven with him. So, in fact, it because is possible for Jesus a thief to make it death. into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So there you go. It's a bit of a... Consistency. Mm. What's this? Oh, that's going to work well on radio. How's that going to work on audio? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus biting his nails. Uh, oh, God. That's the worst possible joke you could, you could give <laughs> on a podcast. Radio. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, did Jesus bap- – this is a quick, quick Bible quiz. Okay. Did Jesus baptise anyone? No, he was baptised by... Did he yeah, baptise anybody? John, John the Baptist baptised him. No, he was baptised by John the Baptist. And I believe that... Didn't in one version... Jesus, they believe that John the Baptist said to him, you should be baptising me, shouldn't he? Yeah. The answer is yes and no, depending on what clause of Bible. <laughs> okay. is, I'm reading from my skeptics. As it is with everything in the Bible. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading it's, from my it's skeptics. It's a big book of multiple choice. My skeptics uh, annotated Bible, and there's 471 examples where the Bible directly contradicts itself on things like can a thief go to heaven or did Jesus baptise anybody? So, uh, right. So, don't you know, Trevor, everybody can go to heaven. You just have to, 30 <laughs> seconds before you cark it, you have to say Sincerely. Some, some magic formula. Sincerely. And that's it. Everything's changed. Um, Everything's forgiven. Right. Doesn't matter what you did, whether you're a mass well, so, mer- serial killer, well, child molester, you've just got to recant well, just before your heart stops well, well, beating. Well, a Catholic would have to recant, but for the um, Protestants, Protestants it's more a case of faith. If you just believe in Jesus, just then, change your mind. There's then, even two flavors of that. There's faith. There's the faith ones, and then the deeds ones. Yes. So the deed one is a more of a Catholic concept where you've got to, you know, have a clean soul at the time of your death. But in terms of the Protestants, it's more: Do you believe in Jesus? And it really doesn't matter so much whether you had good deeds or not. It's whether you believe is yeah. what gets you into heaven. So, depending which it's so which version you come up crazy. against. Mm. Speaking of crazy, uh, Anthony Mundine. <laughs> what is it with Australian sportsmen? He like, is. Trevor, they're sportsmen. <laughs> they're no. not rocket scientists. Well. But he is bizarre because he's now come out and said that um, vaccines cause autism. Oh, mm. God. 
Yeah, mm. he has. But he also yeah. converted to Islam. And I that, know, he yeah. converted to Islam. <laughs> that tells you a lot about <laughs> well, you know, well, Mundine. But Mundine... Tells you what happens if you get hit in the head a lot. Well, apparently so, but... Look, I'll, I'll just quote again from Twitter. I mean, really... These footballers should not be allowed a Twitter account without passing some sort of test beforehand. Is he a boxer? <laughs> he was a footballer and then he was a boxer. But oh, yes. Both of them are ex-Broncos. And so he was a, an amazing athlete too as a, as a footballer. No, I used he to wasn't. He was a terrible footballer. Oh, he wasn't on. very good at I, all. I, like, I saw him score was, a few tries. And he yeah, was but he used if to I was leave, on the end of a, of a... He used to leave the matches before they were even finished. And he missed tackles. He was... You leave know, the match. Yeah, he did. He used to... Get sent off and that sort of stuff and say, oh, fuck it, I'm going. He was a good boxer, I'll give him that, but he was a much better boxer than a footballer. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, he went to Twitter, as, as they do, and said, don't vax, don't vax, I'll quote him, don't vaccine your kids, period. The government bully you into vaccine. Do your research on the shit and watch, watched the documentary Vaxed, he tweeted. That's difficult to read with all of the grammatical don't, errors in it. Don't he, vaccine he, your kids. He, he should be mm. he should be chastised just for poor grammar and yes, spelling, sure. just the way it works here. So um, there's a – he watched this uh, YouTube thing and on it it suggested that uh, vaccines give black boys autism at a rate 240% greater than their white counterparts. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's complete nonsense. <laughs> but that was enough for Mundine to go, oh, I've got to protect my black brothers. Don't That's vaccinate right. your kids. Yes. Okay, so, Anthony, when they end up with measles, mumps and rubella and they end up dropping dead from, what do they call it, when your brain swells and all that sort of stuff from measles? Yeah. Mm. Come back and talk to us then, buddy. Mm. I think he has recanted a little bit since then with the uproar. Well, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Pardon yeah. the language, but he yeah. is. He's a we, we have an explicit oh. rating on this podcast, <laughs> so we can drop the occasional F word. And oh, that's I, okay. I, I yeah. did want to occasionally. Yeah. Well, feel free now. <laughs> no, I mean, he is an idiot. He's just a moron. Mm. Yeah, but look, it's education. And, and you, I'm sure you guys, like me, have met plenty of erstwhile intelligent people who believe the Sky Fairy is real. Our Prime Minister believes the Sky Fairy is real. Now, Anthony Mundine is a lot less well-educated than Scott Morrison. Hang on a minute. Somebody here thinks Scott Morrison's all right. I used to think Scott Morrison's all right. Well, according to your response on the ABC Vote Compass, dear listener. No, I I, put him down at four or five or something like that, didn't I? Or six, was it? No, you put him down. You put Scott Morrison down as a seven out of ten. Did I? Okay. Yes. I thought it was only four or five. Sorry about that. Yeah, but I put him. I put him ahead of Bill Shorten. Yeah, I gave Pauline Hanson and Richard Di Natale zero. zero. Yes. But, you know. but according to Vote Compass, you are most closely aligned with with the Labor Party. Labor Party at sixty four percent is your agreement level with them. Yeah, well, and I'm more socially progressive and left leaning than all of you. Well, you haven't seen mine yet. That's just that's just Scott there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so, I, I saw two. So okay. Well, okay. And I'm up here. So uh, you'd be up in the green level. You reckon? Below just below green. I am. Yeah, dear listener. I'll uh, well. I came across as being a green supporter, seventy three percent. Yes, yeah. I was a bit shocked, weren't you, Scott? No, I wasn't all that shocked. Yeah, because greens it, turn red faster than a frog in a blender. Well, but then twelfth, <laughs> but twelfth man, how can you say that? Because you came out as a green supporter. No, I didn't. 
I came out much on, closer to being a Labour no, supporter. No, when it says, how much do you agree with the parties, you agree with the Greens, 72%. That was their and calculation, not yes, mine. Based it. <laughs> <laughs> you reject the premise. I do. You gave Bill Shorten one out of ten and yes. you gave the other leader zero. All zeros except for Bill got a one, simply because he's, yeah. you know, he makes very slightly more sense than the rest of them. Yeah. Here's why, Paul, we didn't score much better on the... See, economically, we were all on the left-hand economic left sort of category, but it had a, a scale for socially conservative or socially progressive, mm. and we we consider ourselves socially progressive, but the ABC Vote Compass um, uh, sort of questions mm. had a number of questions about Aboriginals yes. and uh, Indigenous people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and we have a particular theory about um, treating everybody equally and not providing any special privilege because of skin colour. And our answers, I think, to why we didn't end up in the progressive yes, they, category... They pushed us into the social, a, socially conservative camp, didn't yeah, they? because they, of that. We probably. got penalised on our progressive yes. school because of that. And it's a... You're looking at me with clenched teeth, but you need to listen. You, we sound like we're going to be some sort of one nation, tiny Abbott, I don't know, nutters. But in a sense, I'll give it to you, which is uh, it's all to do with identity politics and things, but it's about um, people, um, people used to seek equal rights despite their differences and now they seek special rights because of their differences. So we take the Martin Luther King view of how people should be treated, not the Malcolm X view of how people should be treated. So um, we're all for spend as much money, you know, double the amount of money on poor needy people in remote areas, but don't do it because they're black. Do it because they're needy. So if they're white or black, it doesn't matter. So... uh, so when we're reading the questions and it just says, well, should you know, uh, Aboriginal people just get more money? Well, the answer is no. Jonathan Thurston's kids don't need more money, no. uh, but poor Aboriginal kids do. But there was no nuance in the questions. So, but the other question, I think, if I, if I can just say before yeah. you um, jump in, Paul, mm. is that the other question on Indigenous issues was to do with changing the constitution yes. to give Indigenous people some special recognition in the constitution. Now, yeah. uh, us three, I think I can say this confidently, we see that as as a racist inclusion in the constitution and we're we're absolutely against racism Mm. and we do not want to see that question didn't say that at all it it did actually what it said was to set up a a body within the constitution to advise the government on aboriginal issues now Mm. yes but who can be a member of that advisory group Aboriginal people. Exactly. Well, who else would know about them? Isn't that a racist, essentially a racist uh, development? No. It's an, a, a, an expression. Who, who else would know about, about gay people's issues other than gay people? I'm not gay. And I'm I, not suggesting you are. No, but, no, but uh, let, let me finish. I'm not gay, but I, I think I have a pretty good understanding of gay issues. Well, um, I, I imagine uh, that you think you do, but, I mean, unless you are, you, you really can't. No, I'm sorry. I reject that out of, out of hand. It, it, it's, we've, we've had a number of discussions over the years on this one, Paul. One of the complicating factors in that one is uh, 
how much uh, Aboriginal ancestry do you need to qualify? And one you of the interesting to be accepted by well, the community. Well, well, one of the no, there's three tests actually. You you need to be accepted by the community, and you need to have Aboriginal ancestry in you and you as well. That's part of the recognised test. And as we've looked at uh, things with third? Uh, what is the third? Can you guys remember what the third part of that was? Can't third part you. of what? There was. I'm sure it was a three part test. The, oh, you oh. have to identify as yourself yes. as Aboriginal. You have to have some Aboriginal ancestry, and you have to be accepted by the community as Aboriginal. And you got a problem with those? Well, here, the second one, um, the Aboriginal ancestry thing. Did you know if a first fleeter uh, hooked up with a local Indigenous person and produced, which did happen? Yep. Okay, and that. Um, child um, then had ancestors that purely married, uh, well, just... Europeans. Yeah, married uh, and, and had kids for the next, uh, at, at age 24, for the next nine generations. The chances of any of that ancestral blood of one of those persons, say the mother, the chances of having the mother's um, DNA as part of the 10th generation is about 50%. There's a very good chance that there's actually no DNA in that lasts through the ten, the, the tenth so generation. You think it's about DNA? Well, the, the, this is the this is the racist test that is in there. It, it's it's at what point do we say we're all Australians? At what point do we say? I'm happy to say we're all Australians. But, but, and I'm but, happy for all Australians to, to, to get every benefit that every other Australians get. But I think there are some Australians that need a little more help than what, uh, what, we're, what we're giving I them. Agree. And, I agree. And most of those Australians that need a little more help have black skin. But, but, but wouldn't it be best to say, statistics rather than looking at, but the point here I've is. Been there. But the point is, it, the point is, it doesn't matter what their skin colour is. Your your focus was they need help. So that's what our focus is. Do they need help? We don't care about skin colour. It's whether somebody needs help. That to us so, is... So you think it's entirely irrelevant that, that the majority of our jail population is Aboriginal? I'm not saying that's it's irrelevant. I'm, I'm saying help all of the jail population. Like, there's plenty of white trailer trash in our jails. Help them. Like... Give them whatever benefits, you know, double the budget. I don't care. Mm. But I'm just saying don't do it because of skin colour. Don't walk into a jail and say, black fellas over there, we've got a special program for you. You white fellas over there, we've got a different program for you. Like if they need help, they all need help. But but sometimes they need culturally specific help. But why do they? We live in the 21st century in a first world country. Because, we are all Australians. Okay, we all I'll, I'll, have I'll the give, same... I'll give you a real-world example. In, uh, as, as you would know, in the children's court, there's a lot of Aboriginal kids turn up. No doubt. Yeah. Now, if you, if you uh, as a, a lawyer, uh, in, uh, cross-examine an Aboriginal boy and, and you, you ask him a direct question, he is culturally compelled to answer in the affirmative. He, 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 is, he is grown up 
to to agree with everybody that's that's uh, that's uh, yeah. uh, superior to him. And we're aware of those issues. We are aware of those so, issues. So why why shouldn't we take those issues into account? Oh, we, well, in dealing with the Aboriginal kid in the courts, of course you can take those issues into account. So what, that's one issue. Then what, then the, what we're saying. You don't think there are other issues that are on the but, same but, sort but, of but basis? But not every Aboriginal kid would. So it, it and would that's depend. what I was going to say. So Trevor. you've assumed that every Aboriginal kid is like that. Yes, right. But they're not. No. See, you're, so, you're, so, you're saying that so, because so, they identify and, and, as Aboriginal, and, 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 they must behave in a certain fashion. And there might be white kids don't. who think that way. So wouldn't it be better to say, get a counsellor in, what's the issues with this kid? Are there particular things going on in his head? Just ignoring skin colour and saying, what is the specifics with this person? But you see, you've you've made an assumption that that all all Aboriginal kids are the same. I haven't made an assumption. I've I've I've, mm. I've read the research mm. that this is what happens. But not of all of them are. Um, possibly it would be, not. It would be but insulting I'm, I'm also, to say they I, are. But I also think I'm I'm just the wrong skin colour mm. to to be talking. No, about you're not. Because no. I, I I don't. Your skin colour has nothing to do I, with it. Paul. Yes, it does. It has no, has, it doesn't. has a lot to do with it. Has has a, 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 I don't. Have the experiences. I don't have the clan connections. This I is don't the jargon, have the understanding. This is the jargon of postmodernists who say that you cannot understand somebody who is different to you because you're not one of them. Not as well. Oh well, it, you know, it's you know, everybody has a unique personal human experience, but it's not based on necessarily you know your ethnicity or your or your skin color or whatever. It's based on your individual history. And you know, it's what we're trying. What we're fighting against is this idea that you are determined by your ethnicity, and this is the modern world. We are determined by a whole range of factors in our environment, in our social environment, and our, our colour of our skin is quite irrelevant, really, most of the time. You know. Mm. So there you go. Another example where um, well-meaning people. Look at the topic and come up with different conclusions yeah, without axes. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> let's quickly let's quickly get on to because there'll be old news by the end of next week. Julian Assange. Yeah. What? What? A, a quick straw poll of of thoughts, Scott. I think he's an idiot. He's a naughty boy. He's he? a naughty boy, but um, given that he was awarded that um, award of number of years ago before he went into the Ecuadorian embassy for journalism, one would have thought that he would, that that would be enough to get him out of the trouble with the Yanks because the Yanks have got an exemption for journalists in mm. that law. Um, do the Yanks actually want him? No. Well, the Yanks... Do they, the Yanks? Well, of course they Barack want Obama didn't want him. Trump probably does want him. But the... Other thing that I do think that he still has questions to answer over is the sexual assault that he was accused of. I do believe that the Swedes should have gone into the Ecuadorian embassy to talk to him then, but they claimed that they couldn't. They should have had, they wanted to do it in Swedish territory. I don't know why they had to do it on Swedish soil. Anyway, they claimed they needed to do it on Swedish soil. I don't know. I think he's an idiot and that sort of stuff, but. 
I think the Yanks want him because he um, disclosed a lot of their classified information and they will chase anybody who does that, let's face it. They're very bitter about what he revealed. Very bitter. And why wouldn't they be? He he compromised a lot of their... um, Top secret uh, data. Well, what well, really what, was what he revealed disgusting them to be. was that bloody shooter. Were they, I they, totally they agree. Shot up I totally agree. And I think Iraq. there is definitely a place in this world for people who can reveal this kind of classified information that the public has a, has a right to have access to. At the same time, uh, is he some sort of free speech hero? I'm no, no, not I don't sure. believe he is. Julian Assange is not a free speech hero. No, he's an idiot. How do you qualify as a free speech hero if not Julian Assange? You play rugby union in Australia. <laughs> exactly where I was heading to. Like all of the free speech advocates in this country have all been on Footballers. A, supporting a, a stupid fucking footballer like yeah. Israel Falau. And meanwhile, when you're talking about, you know, somebody who's a for free speech, they've let Julian Assange wallow without any support. But it's not it's not an issue of free speech so much as the method by which he obtained that information. If the if he just got up publicly and said, "I think the Americans are doing bad things. I think they're killing innocent people," it wouldn't have been an issue. But the fact is, he obtained access to classified military data and really and just dumped it in. But the my public. understanding yeah. was that he got access no. to that because of Chelsea Manning. Exactly. Yes. Well, he nice. taught Chelsea Manning how to get access. No, oh, no, okay, he, no gotcha. he didn't. He or no, he Chelsea didn't. Manning already, she already had, had access. access. No, already she, had access. there was one extra step that he no, coached she, her on doing. She had already at that point revealed all of her stuff. Like, just for people who don't know, um, Julian Assange, uh, born in Townsville, Queensland. Uh, one of his parents was actually mixed up with um, the Australian cult, the family. Oh, really? Mm, yeah. So, um, and he had quite an interesting childhood. Um, very nomadic, was in 30 Australian towns and cities by the time he reached his mid-teens. So anyway, got into computers and created WikiLeaks. And the idea of WikiLeaks, and I was listening to Giannis Farifakis speaking on Late Night Live about this, was it was kind of like a, um, a post box where people who had classified information could deposit it with WikiLeaks and they could be secure that there was no way to backtrack where it had come from. So whistleblowers around the world can dump stuff in at WikiLeaks, uh, secure that there's no trail back to them. Mm. And so that was his idea. And so Chelsea Manning uh, had access to all sorts of classified US material, Um, basically... WikiLeaks was famous for uh, revealing three uh, different uh, types of stuff. There was collateral murder, which was a bunch of um, was videos and other documents showing these Apache helicopters uh, during the Iraqi insurgency as the crew were firing on civilians and journalists and and being very casual and laughing at. At the casualties. Yeah, well, that grotesque. was the whole. That was the yep. whole thing that was, was really, really grotesque. Was that they had a uh, yep. there was an audio came through, light them up. Yep. Which was code for shoot them. Yep. And 
you know, then they discovered after they'd shot them that they were, that the guy didn't have an AK-47 no. slung over his arm. He had a, a, a camera. Yes, yeah. with a telephoto Now, that was bloody disgusting. Yeah. The other big batch of documents was the Afghan war, Afghanistan war logs. So this was a six-year archive of classified military documents that offered an unvarnished and grim picture of the Afghan war. And um, it showed the failing war in Afghanistan and revealed how coalition forces killed hundreds of civilians in unreported incidents. So this is the US's government's own material admitting to killing hundreds of civilians. Mm. Similar thing with the Iraq war documents, uh, the Iraq war logs. Again, um, let's see. The files record 66,000 civilian deaths out of 109,000 recorded deaths. So it's damning stuff in that it was showing the US government is just slaughtering civilians in these areas, and this is from their own documents. So, mm. Mm. I mean, it's vital information for the world to know, and you have to say that, um, you know, it's... It'd be incredibly valuable yeah. to the world to Look, know it. One of so, the charges that the Americans uh, laid against him was that he put in danger the lives of US agents in various countries, and yeah. I, I think that's a plausible. That, big that's entirely that's, plausible, and and that'd be something I'd be very concerned about because because he just dumped the information straight out on the web. Okay. Whereas Edward Snowden, and this is why no, I think well, that he Edward didn't Snow- just dump it. But anyway, go okay. on. Okay, Edward Snowden actually had a meeting with Guardian journalists and that sort of stuff, and he talked to them and he went through which where he wanted everything released and that type of thing. So he went through very responsibly with everything he disclosed. That's why I've got a lot more respect for him than I do for Julian Assange me, me because too. Julian Assange just dumped it. Yes. He yeah. just dumped it out there. In the that's, that's not strictly true. So okay. there was a review of what was released. The problem you're talking about would be Cablegate where they basically released classified cables that had been sent to the US State Department by... Uh, 274 consulates, embassies, and diplomatic missions. So that was oh, that, that was, was sort of a danger of exposing spies and other sort of people like that. So, um, like, uh, as part of that, it was the US uh, consulate's opinion of Kevin Rudd. They described him as generally competent, and other texts described him as a control freak and a micromanager obsessed with managing the media cycle rather than engaging in collaborative decision-making. Gee, they read him pretty well. They did a good job. They did a very good job of reading him, didn't they? So so anyway, um, part of all this was um, Chelsea Manning, um, previously Bradley Manning, who provided, you know, a lot of the documents I talked about previously. Transphobe. So, um, and she was sentenced to 35 years uh, at maximum security at Fort Leavenworth and... um, I think she served about uh, seven six years, years, six or seven years. And then and Obama commuted her sentence. Barack Obama commuted her sentence. Mm. Yep. But now, she's being locked up for contempt of court, hasn't she? Yeah. So there's yeah. a grand jury has been set up and they're trying to nail Assange mm. and they're trying to get him as having conspired to break into US government secret computer records. And Chelsea Manning has said, I'm not going to cooperate with you. And they said to her, you've got full immunity. You can't claim the fifth because we cannot touch you. 
you know, whatever you reveal in, yeah, whatever you reveal to us cannot be used against you. But therefore, please tell us. <laughs> therefore, you can't use the, you can't plead the fifth and remain silent. Like so, a good argument. <laughs> so your silence is a contempt of this court and they've thrown her in the slammer. Mm. So this woman who was, could you imagine how she was treated in Fort Leavenworth, a, a trans person who has, is seen as a traitor to the US government? Could you imagine the treatment she got? Unpleasant. And she has volunteered. She said, no, I'm not going to testify, and she's gone back into jail. Like, she is one tough lady. Yeah. You've got to hand it to yeah. her. Like, that's yeah. tough. That's commitment. Like, that mm. is commitment. To a principle. Mm. That is commitment. So, Not sure I'd have that much commitment. I'm not sure any of us would. Yeah. So, um, um, look, I've got to skip through a bunch of articles here and we'll do them for next time. Um, <laughs> are we going over time? <laughs> we are. Did um, we talk too much? <laughs> <laughs> we make an art of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, we need a social night at some point. Like you mentioned, Paul, that your your Facebook group never meets physically. No, no. We, you don't see that as important? Oh. You would you like to meet? Part, part of the attraction is being anonymous. I mean, the, right. the, these, some of these people are, are afraid to tell their, their, uh, their friends. I mean, you're, you're obviously not. No, no, well done. And there must be a few others. I'm out and proud. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So at some stage we need, I think, I don't know, every three months or something, just a a Sunday afternoon brewery session and people can meet. It's important to be a face-to-face communication, I think. We'll let the Sanford atheists know when we're going to do it. I'd be happy to publicise it on the group. Very good. And you could even put a little picture if you like. Right. Very good. Now, um, hey, we've picked up some new patrons. Um, We've picked up uh, Nico, Andy and Murray and also Mark. Thank you, guys. I would go more into detail about that if we had more time. Actually... We've had some really good feedback from people uh, and the general theme of it has been that they're enjoying the show because it's not an echo chamber of their opinions and they appreciate that we explore different topics and that they've specifically said, we don't agree with you all the time, but we appreciate that you're addressing it with, um, you know, in the right way and... And they're, and they're getting a different view on topics. So, do you know that's, that's actually? I went to an atheist group in Brisbane um, some years back, and I went to one meeting, and everyone was standing around talking about why they were atheists. And I was like, I don't need to hear that. I know why everyone's right. an atheist. And yeah. I, to, to be honest, it was a bit of an echo chamber, and that's why I didn't go back. Yeah, there you go. So, um, so. Oh, look, there's a bunch of other stuff. Um, Landon has sent us a message, but we don't have time for that, I don't think. We'll do that next time. Um, <laughs> we've got lots of things left. We've got, we've got Japanese virgins to talk about. We've got Andrew Hastie. We've got trade agreements. We've got morality. That How can will all we be talk about week. Japanese virgins when we are not <laughs> Japanese virgins? <laughs> do you know a quarter of Japanese adults under 40 are virgins? You're joking. No, it doesn't surprise true. me. Having lived yeah. there... Hmm. It's a, it's a society where if you don't meet somebody you fancy through work, mm. uh, your chances yeah. go precipitously down. Mm. And I, I used to come across a lot of unmarried uh, people 
who were sort of past the usual marriage age in Japan, and particularly uh, women. You know, I used mm-hmm. to come across these groups of, of Japanese women. You met a lot of women age. who told you they were virgins? They didn't specifically tell me they were virgins, but right. um, and they may not have been necessarily virgins, right. but mm. they were unpartnered. Yeah. I, I, I studied a little psychology at university and mm. um, I went out with this girl who was a virgin mm. who studied human sexuality and got seven out of seven. <laughs> Very good on the theory. (laughs) Just blew your theory out of the water. Uh, The trend has been attributed to poor sex education, a decline in traditional matchmakers, the habit of socialising in groups, and the rise of hikikomori. Can you pronounce that properly for me? uh, Hikikomori or something like that. The the stay-at-home people. The people who just lock themselves away in in a room in their parents' homes and Mm. refuse to go anywhere. But but this article says the latest research suggests that much of the problem is related to money. Although salaries have fallen since 1980s, a woman's expectation of a potential partner's income remains unrealistically high. Money, money, money. So on this podcast, Paul, we often talk about sex. Sex, religion and politics is just the name of the game oh on this my podcast. God. Should I leave now? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, convince all of your friends at Sanford Atheist to check us out and I hopefully shall. they will continue on I'll as regular listeners. I'll yeah. put a link. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also mention that we drink beer. Yeah. You so, drink beer. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. what I've been drinking. Yeah. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. goodness me. <laughs> and we appreciate beer sponsors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll get through all that next time. All right, dear listener, I reckon that's wrapped up an interesting episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye now. Good night, everyone. And good night from me. Morning in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. The fisherman fishes, the baker man bakes to the bells of Notre Dame. To the big bells as loud as the thunder, to the little bells soft as a psalm. And some say the soul of the city is the toll of the bell. The bells of Notre Dame. Well, dear listener. Did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf, on their phone, and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon, and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really, the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth 
more than that, less than that, whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners. And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.